Would you turn this evening to our scripture that we've been looking at on Fridays, third epistle of John, just one chapter there, third John. And before we read, let's pray. And uh, don't just look at me tonight, and I won't just look at you. Let's look to the Lord. Amen. And realize you're not limited to what I know. He can speak to you from the Word. He can speak to you inside you, yourself, or something that wasn't even said out loud. And you can get something to just solve problems and things you've been dealing with. You understand light. You can, you can just see what you've been doing wrong, what you need to do differently. Stop this. Start this. Right? And do it. Put it into practice. And friend, God is faithful. You do what he tells you to do, and it's going to change. Amen. You're going to be victorious. You're going to be blessed. So let's pray and release our faith. Father, we thank you for all your blessings this week. Thank you for every good thing you've done for us. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. We know it's only by your grace that we're still here and alive and got our health and our strength and we're blessed. And Lord, thank you for the teacher, the Holy Spirit, whom is in our midst and upon us tonight. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart that's receptive. Give us truth and give us answers to questions and direction, solution to problems. Let the darkness be removed and rolled away from people's minds and and let light come in, we ask. And Lord, we'll not be hearers only, but by your grace, we'll be doers, practicers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Do you know that there's never been anybody who did the Word of God consistently and didn't get results? You know that? And there's never been anybody who didn't get results who did the Word. They didn't get results. And they're doing the Word. No, it just can't be. Can't be. You know, when things don't work... Where should we look? Blame God. No. Huh? No. Blame other people. No. <laughs> There's two individuals that you should check first off, always. Number one, you. Yeah. Every time. Check up. Am I doing what he told me to do? And then number two, the enemy. Yeah. Your problem is between you and him. Right. All the time. Do you know that? God's never our problem. He's always the answer. You know, uh, one of my instructors in Bible school many years ago, he said this and stuck with me, never forgotten it. Uh, He said, always stay on God's side. (laughs) That's a good word, isn't it? Always stay on God. Because we were reading some things, you know, in the Old Testament, studying some things. And sometimes people say, well, I don't understand. Why did God say that? And, and why did God do that? And, and that don't seem good. And, and, what? and he said, always stay on God's side. <laughs> when you don't know what's going on. You don't understand why or why not. And you can't figure it. And it doesn't make sense to you. You don't have to understand to trust God. Somebody says, well, I don't understand. You go, well, I I don't either, but I know this. God is good. Me and him, 
are together on this. I'm staying with him. He's right. Even about what I don't know yet, he's right. Even about what I don't understand yet, he's right. And I'm staying with him. Right? And if I mess up, I'm getting back to him. And if I get judged or punished, well, I'm going to repent and I'm going to get back with him. I'm staying with him. Right? Always stay on God's side. Never, ever, I don't care what, how awful it seems, never, ever look up and go, why God, why? That's dumb. Ignorant. Did you hear me? God has never failed anybody. Never let anybody down and he's not starting with you. Right? No. This is how you get through rough places in life. Hard places. You look up and go, Lord, I don't understand. But I know this. You're faithful. Show me what I don't. In fact, say this out loud with me. Everybody say it out loud. God, you're faithful. I trust you. You've never let me down. And you never will. I'm staying with you. What I don't see, show me. What I don't understand, teach me. Help me. And I will obey you. And it'll be well. Everything is going to turn out for my good and your glory. Hallelujah. Just stay with that. Just keep talking like that. Just stay with that and see if God will not be faithful. If he'll not turn this thing around for you. He is faithful. I know from whence I speak, my few years that I've walked with him, oh, how he's come through for us. I mean, when it seemed impossible, I, you didn't know how or from where or how it could be. And other people are telling you, you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> what are you thinking? But then later on, they came back and said, Boy, you did the right thing. Boy, you did. Some of the same people that said, oh man, you're crazy. Are the ones patting you on the back now going, oh brother, you did the right thing. God was a leading you. But yeah, but if I listened to you, we'd have been in a mess. That's why you don't listen to everybody else. That's why you get and you put your nose in the carpet and you pray and you look to the Lord and you listen to him. You don't ask 95 people what they think you ought to do. I said, you don't ask 95 people what they think you ought to do. You're liable to get 95 answers. You'd be more confused than when you started. Have you found your scripture yet? What have we been talking about on Friday nights? Anybody remember? Prosperity proven. And our text here is in 3 John. 3 John, the very first verse says, The elder... Unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish, the margin says, pray or desire, above all things, that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Read it out loud with me. Verse 2. Beloved, I wish... Above all things, that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Who said that? That's weak. This is the Bible. Right? The Bible 
is God talking to us. Is that right? Sometimes people talk about, boy, I'm looking for a word from the Lord. Here it is. <laughs> there is no stronger, no surer, no better word than right here. Any other word that you got by prophecy or tongue and interpretation is secondary to this. And must agree with this. Or elsewise you don't receive it. Did you hear me? Any prophecy, any tongue, any interpretation, any dream, any vision that disagrees with this, you reject it. I don't care who said it. Did you hear me? I don't care who said it. Somebody said, yeah, but it was real, Brother Keith. I don't care. If you're awakened before daylight in the morning by a 40 angel choir (laughs) singing in multiple part harmony. With rainbow clothing and dazzling light. If it disagrees with any verse in this Bible, you laugh at it. And reject it and ignore it. Did you hear me? I said, Brother Keith, yes. Everything is secondary to this. And I understand the Holy Spirit is saying something to you. He's not going to contradict himself. He's the one that said this. Right? Right? And so anything he says to you through any other vessel is going to sound like this. That's why the more you know the word, the harder you are to deceive. So many people are so easily duped, so easily deceived because they're so woefully and sadly ignorant of the scripture. The mass of Christianity are so ignorant of the Bible. It's pitiful. But uh, 3 John 2 Is the Bible. The Bible is God speaking to us. And the Lord told us. That it is his wish. It is his desire. That we what? Prosper. Did God tell us. That it is his desire that we prosper. Did God tell us. That it is his desire. That we prosper. Yes. God told us. Right. Is it God's will for us to prosper. Is it God's will for us to be healthy? These two things. These two things. Somebody said, well, no, it's three things. No, it's two. The last thing, he tells us how the two are going to happen. Right? Right? People have tried to twist this around and say, well, you know, that's all right. But the main thing is that your soul prospers. Well, no, that's not what he said. God said. He desired above all things that we would prosper. And that he desired above all things that we'd be in health. How's it going to happen? Even as our soul prospers. So uh, healing starts inside. Doesn't it? Not, I'm talking about spiritual healing. Healing from God starts inside and then affects the body. Prosperity from God starts inside. Then it affects the pocketbook and the accounts. If you're going to prosper, somebody says, well, I need money. I got to get money and and I got to pay my bills. And I, you know, so I got to get money. Money's the main thing I need. Uh Uh-uh. Now, the first thing that you require is to be changed in your believing and in your thinking and in your speaking and in your actions. When your soul begins to prosper, as a man thinks in his heart, that's how he is. 
If you think you're poor, you'll be poor. Do you know that there are quite a few people, quite a few of them, poor people with money? Quite a few of them. There's a lot of people that have money that are not prosperous. In fact, they're tormented by it. Always scared they're going to lose it. Always, you know, laying awake at night, trying to figure out how to keep it and how to keep somebody from getting it. And, and it's sad. You know, people got money, got lots of money in the bank and won't enjoy anything. Drive old raggedy car and, and won't live in a nice place and won't do anything for their kids. They got money, but they're still poor. You see what I'm saying? They're poor inside. Well, friend, understand that. If that's possible, then. You can be rich with no money. If you can have money and still be a poor person, then you could have no money but be a rich person right now. But if you get this, this will help you now. How many understand you got to believe you're saved before you feel like it? Right? When must you believe you're healed? Before you look and feel healed. When must you believe that you're a rich person? Exactly the same way. You must believe. You must just take the word of God by faith. When it says that you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's not based on how you feel. That's not based on your perfect performance of the past. Jesus became sin. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin. He never committed a sin, but he received our sin and he took it and he bore it. Why? So that we who have known sin and done sin could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's got nothing to do with how you feel. Amen. You either believe it or you don't. That's right. Amen. And you believe that you are when you don't feel like it. Amen. Right? That's what faith is all about. When you walk by faith, you're not walking by feelings or by what you see. Or by reasoning, you just accept what he said. He also said, by his stripes, you're healed. You just accept it. You call it that way. No matter what the report says, no matter what you feel. You also accept that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might be rich. Has it happened? I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm rich. But I got no money. You're not listening. (laughs) And as you prosper inside. Now I know from whence I speak. I grew up poor. I know. My grandparents were poor. My parents were poor. I mean you know we didn't have an indoor bathroom. Until I was in high school. They don't feel sorry for me. Because we had plenty to eat. And we loved each other. We were wealthy in other ways. But you know we just didn't think wealthy. You just didn't think that way. Everybody I knew, you just don't think that way. I mean, you know, you don't ever think about getting something new. You fix what you got. You know, you weld it. You tie it up. (laughs) Little duct tape. Little wire. Drive it another 25,000 miles. Or 50. Huh? Don't pull that tire off. It's got a tread left. That's got a tread on there. It's a lot of good running in that tire. Now see, when you think like that, you are poor inside. You're not just poor out here. You're poor in your soul. Your soul is not prospering. 
you save all the margarine bowls. And every time you go through the drive through and all them little plastic forks and the packs with the salt and the pepper, little paper, you got all of those from 10 years back. You got drawers full of them. Somebody said, what's wrong with that? Everything. That is not okay. Where are you saving that? Answer the question. Now, why are you saving that? Huh? Might need it. You might need it sometime. Because you just never know. Huh? Which is not a scripture. Not a scripture. Ungodly, wrong. When would you need it? You might have 2,000 people show up at your house and need plastic forks to eat out on the yard. I don't think so. (laughs) If you're going to prosper outwardly, what has to happen first? You have to prosper in your soul, which is why we're teaching on these things. We're going to take our time. We've already been talking about it. Man, you know, I'm thinking I'm spending so much time on this when I got so much other stuff here. But that's all right. Because you're not ready for, you know, uh, eight times nine if you can't do two plus two. Right? I mean, you ain't no need in going to that. So how many understand now? How are we going to prosper? As according to the Bible, God told us, is it his will for us to prosper? See, you understand that millions have never crossed that hurdle. That's right. I mean, you've got all kind of Christians. I mean, in this town yeah. and in this state that think, you know, some, a few, it's God's will to prosper and he's chosen to make them wealthy. But, you know, a lot of people, it's just not God's will. And some people can serve God, you know, being broke and they honor God in their poverty. And people believe all this. Never mind, they have no scripture for it. But they believe it. And they preach it. But you have to overcome that first. Is it God's will for you to prosper financially and materially? Now see, if you're not sure about that, then you're not ready for anything else. You've got to stay on this till you get this settled. And if you come to the conclusion, you say, well, no, I just don't believe it's God's will for everybody to be wealthy financially and materially. Then it is impossible for you to have faith for it. You could not, you could never have faith for it if you believe it is not God's will for you to have it. Which would explain why you don't have it. <laughs> right? I've had people want to get, you know, sassy with me and go, well, I don't believe it like that. And I said, well, you won't be bothered with it. <laughs> I don't believe in all that healing stuff. Well, you won't be troubled with it. You won't be bothered with it. I don't believe in that prosperity. Whether you won't be bothered. Why? Because these signs follow them that don't believe it. No. Those who do. Those who do. How many hear these testimonies every week? Are these wonderful? I had a person come one time and uh, about healing. Want to take me to task about it. They said, well, now, you know, we don't believe like that at my church. They said. I said, Okay. They said, well, we don't. And I said, well, all right. We do. 
I still love you. Well, they said, well, I, you know, our preacher don't preach that. And I, I've never seen any healings in our church, they said. I said, well, now, there, could there be a connection here? I said. <laughs> I said, now, y'all don't preach it. He said, no. And y'all don't believe it. He said, no. I said, and y'all don't have it either, do you? He said, well, no, I've never seen any healings in our church. I said, well, now think about this. We preach it all the time. And we believe it. And we're reading testimonies every week. Are you calling all these people liars? Who wrote these testimonies in? Well, no. Wouldn't they know if they got healed or not? I didn't tell them to say it. They said it. (laughs) Right? You preach it and believe it, you'll have it. You don't preach it, you doubt it, you won't. Right? Well, we do believe it. I said we do. First, you must prosper in your soul. Quit saving all the plastic forks. (laughs) We might need it. Hmm? You ever heard that? Yeah, but we might need it. We might need it. That is expecting to have hard times. We better put something back for a rainy day. No, you shouldn't. Saving's fine. Putting something back for hard times is not okay. Saving is great. Planning on hard times is terrible. Did you hear me? Do you understand the difference now? Can you save without expecting tragedy in the future? Certainly you can. We'll put something up for a rainy day. What does that mean? Hard time. Something bad coming up. You'd be ready. Well, save. That's great. But don't talk about rainy days. And don't expect hard times. I know, uh, you know, I don't care who you are and how long you go with this, how long you walk with the Lord, how much he teaches you, you'll always be learning and growing. You'll always be identifying something to correct or to change. Maybe it's throwing out the plastic forks this week. And maybe next week you stop rinsing out the shampoo bottle four times. (laughs) That's just being a good steward. No, it's not. Do you know how much shampoo the companies throw away? Do you know how many bananas fall off the trees in the jungles and rot? Huh? There's plenty. I said there's plenty. Plenty. God didn't put us on a planet with insufficient resources. Oh, there's so much. We haven't even tapped into it. I, You know, I grew up where, you know, we it'd be a rare thing for us to have a, a new or late model car. And... Um, you fix what you had. And as a result of that, we wound up over the years with all of these junk cars in the yard. <laughs> you might know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> you know, you got this old car sitting there. It ain't run in five years, but there it is. And you got this body. It ain't got no motor transmission. But it's a good body. <laughs> and uh, we didn't have everything, you know, but a lot of folk have also got 
every washer that they ever owned in the yard, right? Every refrigerator. They got refrigerators that grandpa had in the yard, right? Somebody said, what's wrong with that? A lot. A lot. You'll never be rich that way. Not truly. I know some people don't like that, but you've got to hear it now. Why do people have 12 refrigerators standing out in the yard? Why? Why? Because there might be a good part on it. Right? And your refrigerator might break down sometime. And you wouldn't have the money to go get a new part. So you could pull off maybe a compressor or a motor or, you know, something. Right? Look, I know what I'm talking about. Right? Why have you got all of this junk? I'm going to say, Brother Keith, you're messing with me. I know it. But now see here, this is not my choice. I'm not going to come over to your house and mess with your stuff. But do you want to prosper? Or do you want to stay where you've been for the rest of your life? Well, I'm telling you how I begin to come up. Now, Phyllis and I, after we married, we went to school, went to Bible school. I'd always wanted a Corvette. Always. From the time I was a little boy. I wanted a Corvette. And years went by, we didn't have one. Well, we got to school, everything was going pretty good, and we found a used one that I could get for $3,500. I said, what kind of Corvette would that be? Well, it wasn't much, but it was a Corvette. Somebody had broke into it and stripped out the radio and tore the wiring out. It had a big chunk out of the fender. And the engine and transmission was shot years ago. And the paint was bad. It said Corvette on the back. <laughs> and thank God for Phyllis. She's always hung right in there with me. I mean, even when we were dating, I mean, I spent every spare dollar I made on an old hot rod. And I, you know, and she followed me around and put up with that. Actually, act like she enjoyed it part of the time. So, <laughs> but uh, I said, I want to get this. And she said, well, all right, we got it. 3,500, my first Corvette. So the first thing is the front end was so bad that you couldn't hardly hold it in the road. So I went to the salvage yard like I had always done. To find me a wrecked Corvette. Because, you know, some of them got some good parts on Right? Now, why are y'all laughing? Why didn't I go to uh, the parts place and buy new parts? Why did I not do that first? I said, well, you didn't have the money. No, no. See, that's where people miss it. They think that's the problem. But that's not the problem. The problem is, why didn't I have the money? Are you listening now? I didn't have the money to go buy new parts. But nor did I the year before. Or the year before. Or the year before. Nor my parents. Nor my grandparents. Nor his parents. Why? 
is because God ordained that generations of Moors be broke and go to the salvage yard for their stuff? It's because generations of Moors had taught their kids. Don't throw that away. You might need that sometime. Oh, no. Never even think about a new one. Go see if you can find a good used one. Oh, yeah, that's got two tread left on it. (laughs) And if you think that way and you talk that way, you are not a prosperous person in your soul. You are poor, not just in money, you're poor inside. You think you're poor, you believe you're poor, you talk poor, you act poor, and that's why the money's not there. People think, well, I'm poor because the money's not here. No, the money's not there because you're poor inside. Oh, friend, if you could get this tonight, this will turn you around. This is not my words, is it? This is our text. How are you going to prosper? As your soul prospers. And what I'm doing is just taking some extra time and beginning to walk you through how God began to prosper our soul. So I got my first Corvette. First thing we had to do is get this thing where it could steer and you could hold it in the road. (laughs) And uh, so we went to the salvage yard. I found a wrecked Corvette that had a much better front end than mine did. And so I pulled it out and I went back and in the parking lot of the apartment building, uh, dropped it down and replaced the tie rods and the joints and all that kind of stuff. Got it where it would handle. And uh, we're believing to move out of the apartment. We're in a little bitty apartment on the third floor. I have to haul everything up and down. We're believing for a house. Well, the Lord worked it out for us to get a nice little rental house. And so it worked out and we had the money to do it and we're moving. And we're getting ready to go and Phyllis comes by and I'm packing up all these old parts. The parts that wasn't good enough to drive. The parts I replaced with the used parts from the salvage yard. Because, you know, why? Why am I packing them up? I'm packing them up to take to our next house. Why am I packing them up? Because you might need them sometime. Right? And Phyllis comes by. Oh, okay. So I did move them one time. <laughs> this was the second time. Is that right? We moved them from the apartment to the rental house. And then a year or two later, whatever, the Lord helped us to get to our own house. We bought a house. And so now I'm boxing them up and I'm taking them to the new house. This will be the second time to move them. And she comes out in the garage and she says, are you going to take all those old nasty, greasy parts over to our new house? I said, oh, yeah, man, if you had to go to the salvage yard, you know, to buy this piece of metal here, it cost you X amount of dollars, you know, and you work it. She said, well, I thought that you said you're believing for a new Corvette. She said, well, these parts even work on the new car? I said, no. <laughs> she said, well, you're believing for a new Corvette. When would you ever use these old parts? 
I said, well, you just go on and do what you're doing. <laughs> and I, I'll take care of this. <laughs> and she did. But while I'm packing them, got my hands all greasy, greasy, you know, and I'm packing them up. And I'm thinking about that. I thought, well, you know, she might have a point. <laughs> I am believing for a brand new course. So we're learning about faith. We're being fed. See, this several years has passed. Now, we're learning about faith. I've actually sown seed in the ground. You know, I'm believing for a new one, a brand new one. And there's no way I wouldn't put these parts on my used Corvette. And the new ones are completely different car. They couldn't work. And she said, well, if you needed a part for your new car, wouldn't you just go to the dealership and get a new part? And that's when I told her, well, you go do what you're going to do. And the Lord began to deal with me. He said, you're still thinking like a poor person. This limits me from blessing you. You believe you're poor. You think poor. You act like a poor person. So I said, all right, okay. I am believing for a new Corvette. I'm going to throw these away. (laughs) So I packed them up, put them in the truck, took them to the junkyard. I'd throw them out and I'd go, oh, I can't hardly turn loose of that. Man, that boy, if you had to shut up, shut up, just throw it away. <laughs> boy, if you had to go buy it, no, throw it away. And I did. I threw it away. Cleared it out. Wasn't long to what? I had a brand new one. Did you hear me? And I've had several since then. And didn't steal one offering to get them. Not even one. How many understand getting the money to you is not even hard for God. It's not even difficult for him. Getting huge amounts of money to you is just not even a deal to him. Easy, easy. He has so many contacts. He has so many ways. You understand what a thousand dollars is to him. You understand what a million dollars is to him. It's nothing to him. Nothing. It is so easy for him to get money to us. What's the challenge? For us to change how we think and change how we believe, change how we talk, and prosperity starts inside, inside. As your soul prospers, then you're going to start seeing changes. Don't save all the junk. I mean, it's springtime anyway, right? Get all the old refrigerators and all the old stoves and all the old junk. I mean, get it out. Somebody said, well, I don't know. Well, they just stay poor then. If you're serious, take it to the Lord. Don't just deal with me. Take it before him. Say, Lord, what about all this stuff? Is that right? Should I do something? Ask him what he thinks about it. See what he tells you. And then you just do what he tells you. Between you and him. All the plastic spoons and all the stuff. Well, you might need, you might need it. See, that shows where you're at. You might need it. You're not believing that you're coming up and up. And we're not going back. We're never going back. We're going up. We're going forward. It's going to get bigger. It's going to get better. It's going to get stronger. Amen? So we're not going to need it. I said we're not going to need it. We're never going to need it. We're leaving it behind. We're moving up, moving on. It's going to get better and better. The scripture said he's increasing us more and more, more more. us and our children. 
So we don't need all that old junk. Right? Leave it behind. Turn with me to the book of Genesis. Let me see if I can give you some more of this. Now that we've got all the refrigerators out of the yard. (laughs) Well, I just don't think anything's wrong with that. Well, you're wrong. And don't argue with me. I'm not going to come to your house and bother you. But it just depends on how prosperous you want to be. If you're able to buy new washers for other people, why would you ever need a junk one in your yard? Right? Say it out loud. We're not going backwards. We'll never go back down. We're going forward. Better and better. In Genesis, we begin asking the question, what kind of God do we serve? Because we're talking about prosperity proven. What kind of God do we serve? Is he a God of scarcity or is he a God of plenty? Is he a God of poverty or a God of abundance? Well, let's not just say this is what we believe. I mean, we're proving it by the scriptures, right? God has revealed himself to us through redemptive names. One name that we've looked at is El Shaddai, translated God Almighty. (laughs) And he is our total source of supply. He is the all-sufficient one. He is the God of abundance. Plenty. And we studied about Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees ahead and provides a supply. Provision. Vision means seeing. Pro means before. God sees ahead of you. He sees what you're going to need before you ever get there. And he gets the ram on the way so that you meet the provision. Amen. You and the provision arrive at the same place, same time. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. That's a good response to many different scenarios in life. Where are we going to get this? The Lord will provide. How are we going to do this? The Lord will provide. Yeah, but I don't know how. You don't have to know how. Just say it and believe it. The Lord will provide. Somebody ought to say it again. The Lord will provide. How will we make those payments though? The Lord will How are we going to get out of this? The Lord Lord will provide. provide. Well, you just never know. I mean, maybe God's work. Well, for you then, you're going to have trouble. Because you don't believe it. But you must say it. Would it be all right to quote scriptures? Well, that's what Abraham said. In Genesis, he said, the Lord will provide. It worked good for him. Why couldn't we just follow right behind him and do the same thing? And every time something come up, just say, the Lord will provide. It'll be here. Amen. You know, before we ever started, first service in the church, I stood up because I spent two or three nights with a calculator trying to figure out how this thing could work. And it just did not figure. I finally just had to put it up and say, I don't know how. I can't do it. I could work myself silly on the road. I could do everything. I I can't make this thing happen. 
And Lord, if this is your idea, and I wouldn't do it unless I believed it was, then you are well able to take care of this thing. So I stood up and I said, we will never be late on anything. We will always have more than enough. Plenty of money will come. I decreed it. I declared it. What am I saying? The Lord will provide for this thing. He will. And how many can see in these two years? He has wonderfully. We have never remotely been late on anything. Isn't that great? And we've given and given and given and given. How did it happen? The Lord provides. And he's faithful to all his people. And to everything he tells people to do. Right? Now if you just decide to do something, that's another story. He didn't tell you to do it. You just come up with a wild idea. And then beg him to provide for it. Well, that's another deal. And that's where a lot of people get into trouble. But when the Lord does direct you to do something, he is faithful. He will provide. We also ask this question. You know, it must be at least a dozen times. Twelve plus times in the scripture that God refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Or sometimes Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. It says it like that. You remember reading that, right? Well, what kind of God did they know? What kind of God did Abraham know? He knew a God who blessed him. We might as well review this a little bit, right? He knew the God who blessed him. He knew a God who made him very rich. He knew a God who was faithful to him. And his family and protected him. He knew a God who allowed him to pray and intercede and called him his friend. And we said this, what kind of man was Abraham that God could bless him like he did? What kind of man was he? He was a man who would obey God, do what he told him to do, and go out not even knowing where he was going to wind up. He was a tither. Is that right? Somebody that put God first. What else was he? He was unselfish. He was somebody who preferred his brother. Right? What else was he? He was hospitable. Like us. Or that is, we're like him. Right? That brings us up to where we left off last week. Isn't that great? Y'all want to be dismissed now? So we can. <laughs> Can you go a little further? Or? You're in Genesis. One final thing about Abraham that will bring us into the next. God refers to himself as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. What kind of God did Isaac know? Genesis 25, I believe it is, where we should look at this. What kind of God did Isaac know? What kind of daddy did Isaac have? How did he grow up? His daddy was a multi-billionaire. So how did he grow up? Well, he had the finest donkey in town. Right? He wore the finest clothes. He had the best food. Didn't he? And when his daddy went home to be with the Lord, 
he was well set financially. Genesis 25, are you there? Let me get there then. In Genesis, the 25th chapter, I tell you, before you read 25, you've got to read 24. Excuse me. Genesis 24 and verse 35. Genesis 24, 35. Abraham's servant is talking. He said, the Lord has blessed my master greatly. And he has become great. Genesis 24, 35. And he has given him flocks. Who gave him flocks? The Lord. Is that right? Who did this? The Lord gave him flocks. The Lord gave him herds. The Lord gave him silver. The Lord gave him gold. Who did it? Of course, now that's probably different today. Has God changed? Can he change? Does he ever change? If that was his will then, what's his will now? Has to be the same or else he's changed. He never changes. Men servants, maid servants, camels, and asses. Verse 36. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old. How many of us know that's real prosperity? Yes. I mean, he got the money. He was rich before he had this boy. But he felt empty. He wanted a son. How many of God will give you everything? Yes. I mean, he gave him money, gave him a wonderful wife, gave him a beautiful boy, gave him everything. Yes. How many of God will give you every, if you'll just stay with him? That don't all happen. You know, I mean, he was 99 before this last part came to pass. Right? Aren't you glad? And don't you think he's glad he didn't stop at 95? I've been standing for for how long? How long? Don't embarrass yourself. Just keep standing. Compared to this, it's small time. Right? No, no, keep standing. And he said, And... To him has he given all that he has. Isaac is what? About 40 years old or so now. And everything his daddy accumulated over the blessing of his whole life, he gave it to him. So he is a 40 year old multi-billionaire. And God did it. And it pleased God. Hold your place here and go to Proverbs 13. You know, some people will say, well, you know, I, uh, I just believe that when you come up poor, you appreciate stuff more. Yeah. And you know, it's not good. For kids to be rich straight off, they need to learn the value of a dollar. I disagree. I said I disagree. It ain't about learning the value of a dollar. What is the value of a dollar? 
That's covetousness. That's idolatry. Children should learn the word of God. They should learn faith. They should learn love. They should learn loyalty and faithfulness. Not the value of a dollar. Did you hear me? People say, well, I just don't think, you know, it's good for young people to have a lot of money. Well, then you wouldn't agree with a lot of the Bible. God did this. It was God's plan. Proverbs 13, are you there? We're in the Bible, aren't we? This is the word of God. Proverbs 13. You got any scriptures marked in Proverbs 13? Did you have verse 22 marked? What does it say? A good man leaves an inheritance. A good man leaves a bunch of debts for his kids to take care of. Hmm? No. A good man leaves, didn't leave his kids anything, but he, he loved them, so that's enough. So people say all these things, but I'm reading the Bible now, right? What? What's the plan of God? To leave an inheritance to his children's children. Is this the will of God? Well, you can't be struggling all your life just to pay your light bill and do that. If you're going to leave enough money after you've gone home to be with the Lord so that your kids... And your grandkids, when they get of age, they go, wow, thanks, Papa. (laughs) They get old enough to understand, and they find out that there's an account in their name that's got X amount of money in it, and it's been drawing interest all the time they were growing up, and they go, wow, thanks, Granddad. I'm rich. And then got started. That is a good thing. It's a God thing. It's a Bible thing. It was supposed to have happened with you. It was supposed to have happened with your parents. Did you hear me? It's supposed to be happening generation to generation. How many understand if people believed God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they followed God, and they obeyed God, and they sowed their seed, and it kept happening generation after generation, what would happen? They'd just keep coming up. Daddy was rich, but now he's richer. And his kids are even richer. But see, many Christians don't even believe that. They don't believe that at all. And yet here it is. Is this it? A good man leaves an inheritance. Everybody say leaves an inheritance. Leaves an inheritance inheritance to his children's children. And here's a scripture that's much quoted but not so well understood. And. What does and mean? And means these are connected. Right? And the wealth of the sinner Goes to his kids. No. No. The good man. 
The man who obeyed God and the woman who obeyed God and followed and believed, wealth accumulates and their kids get to keep it and enjoy it and grow it. That's where it's supposed to be. Sinners don't. Ungodly accumulate wealth and their ungodly seed don't get to enjoy it. It's laid up for the just. We'll be talking about that more later. What kind of God did Isaac know? He knew a God who made his daddy one of the richest men in the whole region. He knew a God who led his daddy to find the perfect wife and leave him billions of dollars. He just got married, and he's super wealthy. He's got the most perfect, beautiful wife, and he's got all this money to start his life with. And God identifies himself with this man and says, I am the God of Isaac. That's what he did for this man. This is prosperity, isn't it? Prosperity that affects generation after generation after generation. Increase that's not diminished but keeps going up. I'm closing and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But let's just give you some previews of what's coming up down the road, I think. See, poverty is a curse on every hand, on every turn. And do you understand? It's a multiplying curse. It's a cyclical thing. And we've already talked about it. Why am I trying to save a wore out car parts? Because my dad did. And his dad did. And his dad before him. It was taught us. Not just by, we didn't just sit down one day and discuss it. It was taught by life. Examples and what they did and how you think was taught. We were taught to be poor. And to talk poor. And to think poor. So then it's easier for the next generation to be poor. Did you hear me? We got to break this thing. I said we got to break this thing. In our generation. For our descendants. Amen. There's plenty to do in life. Serving God without scraping for every penny. No, I do not believe you have to come up hard to appreciate things. I do not believe it. It's not right. Generations of uh, prosperity multiply also. And it makes it easier for the next generation. People who've been rich for generations and generations... Now, I'm not talking about poor people with money, but people who really believe and think rich. They expect to be rich. They expect to have the best. A lot of it they do unconsciously. They just expect it to be that way. They expect to get the most expensive room. They expect to ride in the best seats. They expect to get the best food. That's just how they think. But see, their mom and dad thought that way, and their moms and dad thought that way, and it's just been ingrained into them all they're bringing up. 
They expect it to come. And even in the mechanics of it, poor people pay more for stuff than rich people do. They pay much more. A rich person can go buy a $100,000 house and just write a check for it. Or say, hey, I'll pay you cash right now and get a discount. Get it for 80000 A poor person who's had bad credit has to pay 10% interest for 30 years and wind up paying $400,000. Is that right? For the same house. The person who is least able to do it pays four times as much. Do you see what I'm talking about? This cyclical thing, how it works. But then, a lot of times, folk not even thinking, right? They buy them a bumper sticker and put it on their, their wore out pickup and say, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And they'll play the working man blues on the radio. Oh, I'm a working man. It's hard, but I'm a working man. Ain't got much, but I'm a working man. I enjoy what I, my dimes I got. I, I'm a working man. Think poor, believe poor, talk poor, and you put that in your children. Folk don't realize what they're doing, but they put it, tell them every other day, we can't afford that. You think money grows on trees around here, boy? Put that back. We can't afford that. No, put that back. That's not for us. Put that back. So they grow up believing that they are poor and that they have to be poor and it's cyclical. And they're paying four times and ten times more for stuff than the rich person. You see how hard it is to get ahead? But we're coming out. I said we're coming out. We're going to be the ones getting the cash discount. Amen. We're going to be the ones that our grandkids are raising their hands thanking God for us. In years come go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, and thank you, Papa and Mama. Right? Stand up, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.